Welcome to the Fearless Mom Tribe podcast. I'm your host, Mary Westcott, a mother, wife, and mom boss. This podcast is all about helping women to build a path to chase their dreams while becoming a greater version of themselves. Every Monday, join me as I will deliver a strong dose of inspirational topics from how to become a priority in your life to creating a strong bulletproof mindset for success. If you are a busy woman on the go who is in need of a simple pick-me-up, a dose of inspiration, or motivation, look no further. Come join me on the Fearless Mom Tribe podcast. Looking forward to meeting you soon, beauty. Hello, my fellow mamas. Welcome to another episode of the Fearless Mom Tribe podcast. I have a special guest named Tara O'Brien. She has helped thousands of students, teachers, and families overcome the challenges of growing up with ADHD. She's been successful because she lives it every single day with her husband and her children who have ADHD, gifted in anxiety diagnosis. Between home and school, there's not much she hasn't seen, and her approach to living with and loving people with ADHD empowers people to take control of the things that they can in today's chaotic world and their own mindset. Tapping into her formal training in education, graduate degrees, and 20 years of experience, along with thousands of hours of mindset, facilitator, and leadership training, Tara shares practical strategies to use immediately and puts people at ease with a down-to-earth style. With not speaking or coaching, Tara can be found creating delicious gluten and dairy-free vegetarian meals for her family, snuggling with her dog, Maddie, or ticking off her personal quest to visit every national park in the country. Hi, Tara. How are you? Hi, Mary. I am great. Thank you for such a nice introduction. Oh, absolutely. I appreciate you coming on. I'm super excited to really talk with all the things you want to bring to the table today. So tell everyone um, who you are and what you do. Yeah, thank you. So my name is Tara O'Brien and I am a mom first and foremost, but in my larger sort of working world, I support other moms who are living with people and raising kids with ADHD through a series of coaching services and working with them one-on-one because what I found in my journey, as you mentioned, I have a child with ADHD. I have a husband with ADHD. I have a daughter with anxiety is that it can be a pretty lonely process all by yourself. And there's not a lot of great resources out there. Like there's a ton of books and those sorts of things, but practical, useful, personalized advice is what people need rather than like a one size fits all. You read the book and all your problems are solved, right? Like didn't work for me. Well, I had to read about 400 books and then it finally figured it out, right? Right. Um, Oh my goodness, that's a lot. So yeah, it, it was a lot. So I took all of that down and thought, my goodness, if I can help another mom not have to spend years and years and years figuring this out and being miserable and sitting on the bathroom floor crying or wondering what they got themselves into, then that was my real passion and calling. Oh my goodness. That is amazing. Yes. (laughs) Because I know for a fact, I have plenty of family members that have ADHD. I have a nephew, my husband's nephew, he has ADHD and ODD. So it is very, very challenging on the mom, you know, and I've seen him grow up. So right now he's nine. I've known him since he was two. Mm -hmm. I know the process of how stressful it can be. I've seen it all. And I'm just like, oh my goodness, we need more people like you to support and just (laughs) 
you know, and really let us know that you're, we're not alone. So tell us a little bit about your backstory on how it happened with you finding out that your husband has ADHD, your daughter, how, how have you actually harmonized this? You know, it, I know it's been (laughs) challenging. Yeah. Well, challenging. Yes, definitely. So my husband was diagnosed as an adult and he got his diagnosis, um, right around when we got together about 20 years ago. And it was really eye-opening in terms of making our relationship work, right? Because when you're in those like new stages, life looking back on it now seems like relatively easy back then. It was just the two of us, but you know, we're two young working adults, but there were these miscommunications that were happening all of the time. You know, he would say, Hey, I'll, you know, I'll be home at five and he wouldn't get home till seven. And I, and I was getting frustrated of like, so I'm just supposed to like sit around and wait for you or you know, um, he would have these sort of ups and downs in terms of communication or emotional regulation. And I didn't really know what to do about it. Or like, I was like, is this normal? Is this just me learning him? You know, what, what do we need to do? And when he got his diagnosis, there was like this big aha moment and the light bulb went off and I was like, oh, he functions differently than I do. So we started putting some systems in place of like, Hey, it's okay if you're going to be late, but like, I need you to text me or, um, and this was right. It's it's funny to think about it now, but like, we didn't have smartphones at this time. So all of the tools that we use now, like we had to figure out how to do almost like paper and pencil. So I remember like I, I left before he did in the morning. And so I had this like note system of like, if it was important, I would put a sticky note in the middle of the bathroom mirror of like, Hey, don't forget. Right. You know, blah, blah, blah is happening tonight. If it was just stuff I needed to tell him, like I would put it on the TV. Like you had to like figure out these ways to remind him and get his attention so that we weren't always frustrated with one another. Yeah. Communication right? was a lot different back then. I do know. Um, <laughs> even though I was like really, really young, like five or six, but I knew that you know, social media wasn't big at all. Like nothing. It didn't even exist. Yeah. (laughs) You still had to pay per text. Like I'm totally dating myself, but like, you know, like, so that was, that was our first introduction into it. I was also a teacher at the time I was teaching at an all boys school. And so I was getting this like deep dive education into teaching kids who had an ADHD diagnosis. And I thought, isn't this interesting right now I'm at the, I've got an adult in my life and these great kids. And so I was like, this is it. I'm getting into it. And I started going to all these learning in the brain conferences and was just fascinated and had that sort of first moment of like, there's nothing wrong. Yeah. But the perception out there is that it's something to fix. And I'm like, there's nothing to fix here. They just function a little differently. And if you talk in their language, like if you figure them out, it's almost a non-issue. Yeah, it's not. Um, and I remember I had a conversation with my mother-in-law about, you know, my nephew and how to actually, you know, go about him. And then also my little sister, she is um, high function autistic. So it's a lot different. Brain functions a lot different for them. You know, they are about like two to three years behind. And a lot of us don't really understand that. And I start figuring that out mm-hmm. because I actually learned and paid attention to my little sister, how she act. And why she was doing what she was doing, why she hung out with a certain age group than who she was. And my parents figured that out. I was like, well, it's because of her diagnosis. 
you know mm-hmm. she is three or four years younger in the mind than who she is you know physically and as long as you you know take the precautions and the conversations that you will have with you know a younger person and talk mm-hmm. to them that way not necessarily you're trying to baby them but you're yeah. trying to relate and and talk mm-hmm. with them it's so much more smooth sailing I do agree with that so uh, yeah that awareness piece right both of yourself and of your child or your partner or whomever it is and I think the complexity gets to the point as kids grow up our expectations increase right so when they hit that like eight nine ten we think you know by eight, gosh, the should sort of come in. Well, you should be able to do this or you should be able to do that. Or, And you're so right. Like if you step back and think, oh, from an executive functioning perspective, they're three years behind. Maybe they're not there emotionally. So my eight-year-old is organized like a five-year-old. Would I expect a five-year-old to do, you know, all of his chores without any prompting by themselves with no support? Oh, no. No but I forget. And I see my eight-year-old and I think, well, they should, you know, I should be able to just say, go pick up your room. Right. And they can go do that. And so that moment of awareness, right. Where I need to know where my kid is and that, and meet them where they're at and put some structures into place. And it's not babying them. It's supporting them. Yes. And then change those structures over time will be really helpful. But even before you get into the tools, the biggest aha for me, and this happened when my son was four, is like, how do I show up to the situation? Right, because as mamas, we are busy. We carry the emotional load. We, you know, we're running a household. And if we work outside the home, right, we're like CEO of like four companies, right? (laughs) Right. And, (laughs) And it's hard. And so we take all of that on. We often don't delegate a lot of it. Then we've got all of our own societal stuff around what it means to be an amazing mom. And, you know, we, that's a whole separate, all the things in between, (laughs) all those things. Right. So then we sort of lose our own awareness. And that's when we say things like go pick up your room or go do your homework or whatever it is. And our child then struggles. We get upset because we're we get triggered for whatever reason. Well, we know the reason, but we're not aware of it. So then we start matching emotion. Now we're angry. Our kid is angry. Well, why didn't you do it? Now I'm going to take your toys away. No screen time. Right. right? And then you have this escalating experience. And by the end of it, everybody's in tears. Nothing's gotten done. And you have that moment where you come down and you think, which just happened, right? Like that's when I found myself in the bathroom or in the closet or whatever, just like, I just yelled at my kid over something like homework or picking up their shoes. It can't get there. Like it is not worth ruining the relationship with my child over a a chore. Exactly. And it was that moment, that awareness that I was like, something's got to shift. Yeah, it's crazy. I know that you also mentioned that your daughter has anxiety. Yep. How, how did that come about? Yeah. So what we noticed with her is it started out with this real need for lots of information. She wanted to know everything that was going to happen from the moment she woke up to, you know, like going to school, like what time are we going to leave and where are we going? How are we going to get there? And when are you coming back? And it was at first we were like, oh, she just is a planner. Right. And 
she needs some information. Like, no problem. But we noticed it was them preventing her from getting into doing things. She stopped taking some risks. She stopped being playful. I'm also raising a girl. So there's a part of me that's like, hey, you know, trust your intuition. I want you to like tap into girl power. And like, if it doesn't feel good, don't do it. Right. So there's this real tension there. Right. (laughs) Around like wanting her to be in her most intuitive divine self, but not getting out and like taking on the world. And that's what we deal with, even as adult women, right? How do we trust our intuition and go out and take on the world? It's a lot. Um, It's a lot. So when her, her anxiety started showing up, you know, at school where lots of things show up, she was having stomach aches or not wanting to go to school or at school, going to the office and asking to call me, but there's nothing really wrong that's going on. And what we noticed was that she just felt, she would say, I feel unsettled. She's like, I don't necessarily trust myself. I'm not sure what's going to happen. And a lot of this even came down to, I want to be, I want to do everything right. So there was an element of like perfectionism that came in. Mm-hmm. Um, she's highly sensitive to compliance and school does that, right? She didn't want to get in trouble at school. Yeah. And it's interesting having a brother who was kind of always in trouble, getting redirected a lot, right? Like, I think she was interpreting how much time and energy was going in to help him navigate the world. She was already supposed to know how to do it. And so, you know, with her now, there's a lot more of, hey, how about, you know, is it good enough? Why, let's examine the reason as to like why you're putting so much energy in. Is it for passion or is it because you're trying to please somebody else? having her tease apart, like, what are you actually feeling? Like she couldn't name emotions for a very long time and how to sit with emotion, like how to like have an emotion. And we talked to her like, it's a wave. Cause she, then she was trying to suppress all emotions. She's like, I don't want to feel anything. We're like, well, that's not healthy. That's not going to help you. That's not good. It's like, how do you ride the wave of sadness? Right. How do you ride that wave and then come out of the other end and be like, okay, now I can make decisions around it. And so changing our language in our home or really looking at our language in our home, we stopped using things like, um, we'll do your best. That doesn't work for her. So it's now like for her than anything, (laughs) because she's going to feel like, am I going to fail? Am I, am I going to fail? Yeah. Yeah. Or, or am I, you know, not going to be good enough? You know, that's, I know how that is. Thought process Mm -hmm. is a lot, especially as a woman and hormones are going to, oh Oh, my goodness. Oh my goodness. I can just imagine. Yeah. So that power of language. So we have one child who we're trying to like motivate to do work. And now we have another one who we're like, it's okay. Right. Like everything doesn't have to be at your best Best. all the time. And really having that moment of like, what does all of this mean? And for me, like as the mom, I got at one point, I was like, how do I, how do I do this? Right. I'm exhausted. I'm scared to say anything in my own home because I'm going to put my daughter into a panic attack or my son is going to go into a meltdown. Like, I was like, okay, calm myself down. And my husband and I, I did it myself first. And I went back with my husband. We just got really grounded on what's important to us. What do we know for sure? Our kids are going to be fine because we love them, right? We will help them find their path to success 
and it may not look like ours. So it may not be good, good grades. It may not be college right after high school. It may not be, you know, the like traditional American dream type thing. Yeah. Yeah. And if we let that stuff go and we just look at our kids and are like, these are our beautiful babies. We're going to meet them where they're at. And we're going to like focus on strengths. The world just opened up and the pressure dropped off of me. Cause I'm like, I don't need to have the valedictorian. I don't need to have, you know, kids in AP classes in high school. Right. If that's not what they want to do. I'm okay with that because they're going to be okay because we're all okay because we're coming from a place of love and calm and passion focused rather than like here are the boxes you have to take off in order to quote unquote be successful right and that is so amazing because um picking back and off of that now since society and social media is so much big now (laughs) it's so crazy to really even try to vent to people on social media because so many people get triggered of small things. Like right. I know I'm on a app called Peanut where you meet moms and mm-hmm. become friends with moms, which is amazing. One mom literally had to ask, is it okay for me to watch TV all day with my child on the, on the couch? I'm like, <laughs> don't ask for validation for that. It's you. No baby it's you don't ask nobody if that's okay of course it's okay it's no one's taking care of your child but you but you and that's the sad part because social media is literally shaming moms for doing whatever they can to help them stay sane to help their babies to stay sane to actually have a grounded home I'm just like you guys what's going on don't don't piggyback off of other people's lives. You don't know what they're going through. You don't know their thought process. You don't know what they're feeling. Come on. No. You know? And I'm so glad that you're on here because I can just imagine with having a husband that has ADHD, have a son that has ADHD, and then have a daughter that has anxiety. I know your mind is like going in circles, going up and down and around. And I'm just like, I can just imagine. Until we got really clear. I will say like, it doesn't, it doesn't throw me anymore because I let go exactly of a lot of those things, right? I don't throw Instagram worthy parties because I just don't have the time to fold napkins in owls or color code all of my stuff, right? Or Pinterest worthy things like that's just not where my energy goes. And it's not that we, you know, we've great parties and they are fun and they are playful, but my kids are involved in planning them because it's their party, right? I let go of having a perfectly clean house all of the time because it was like, do I spend time with my kids or do I clean or do I get angry that the house is a mess? Yeah. And instead I just decided, you know what, we have a basic level, like it, you know, sort of here's our baseline. And every now and then I'm like, all right, we got to clean. Like we get, and we all get super ruthless and we get really right. My house isn't dirty. It's not gross. It's not unlivable, but I just have let go. Of oh. some of those things that I thought I was supposed to do, right? I needed to have a beautiful, perfect home with nothing out of place. And my floors always, you know, shined and, you know, every piece of laundry was perfectly folded and put away. And it's like, well, no, the laundry's folded, but it's on the chair and you know, that's okay. Yeah. And that's the thing with <laughs> me. I have to tell myself that too, because 
I am like really, really a cleaning fanatic. And I have a, a, a two-year-old, like literally like how you see like on cartoons when moms are picking up and they're right behind taking them out and making that trail yeah. and you're going in circles. Yeah, that's what she does. And I'm just like, okay, mm. we don't need to be perfect. Mm-mm. Who says, you know, you have to have a perfect home and clean home with children and having the laundry folded and put away and all the dishes done and put it away. Like you don't have to do that. And again, like I said, society is making it seem that we women, we moms have to be that superwoman and make sure our home is clean, making sure dinner's yeah. on the table, making sure the laundry's folded and put away. We don't need to do that. What we, we need to do yeah. is help ourselves to stay sane, ground ourselves, you know, and how we can actually provide a healthier home, our relationship with our, you know, significant other and our children, rather, if it is keeping a a dirty house for a day and sitting on the couch and watching TV, everyone's happy. Everyone's (laughs) happy and you're connecting and you know what, your kids are going to remember the day you had like a movie day more so than your house was always clean or their clothes were always put away. And then you start adding in layers to that. Like my son putting all of his stuff away actually causes more problems because he's one of those out of sight, out of mind. So then we had to learn, like we actually took the doors off of his closet when he was younger. Everything went into either clear crates or, you know, visible shelves. Because when we put stuff in drawers, he was like, I don't know where my shorts are. I can't find any clothes. So even something that we went and bought all this furniture, it was like, it was the wrong stuff. And if I was so hung up on like, my house had to look a certain way, or it was respectful for him to put his laundry away. Like that's something that we had to really examine of like, what does this respect thing mean in our home? Right. right? And why was I so frustrated when all this laundry I had done landed on the floor? Right. And it was like, oh, I feel so disrespectful. I work so hard. And it's like, it has nothing to do with, he's not disrespecting me. His need was, I have to be able to see it. Exactly. So that's on me to examine the respect piece. And what do I want to define respect as in my home? Or am I carrying over some old version of what respect meant? And I need to give myself, like, what's my version, right? Exactly. And why is it important? And then what am I going to do about it? Exactly. And, and that's the thing. Respect can mean many different things for everyone, you know, and a lot of people need to understand, like, everything does not have to have a one sided way. There's many possible ways. I literally just looked at a post from a entrepreneur, she transformed her post. And I guess a lot of people were telling her like, well, you need to do it this way. Well, you're this type of person, you need to have your business this way. (laughs) She's like, first of all, you don't have to have a structure of one type of way just because it works for someone else. Doesn't mean it's going to work for you. It's the same thing with children, you know, and you just have to find, like you said, find that happy medium. So like Mm -hmm. your son, he has to have visible drawers to know where his shirts are, where his pants are. And it's just something that you have to figure out and and actually, you know, come together and figure out what's the best way. Yeah. So I do have a question. So how did you help yourself with your self-care and your self-awareness? Yeah. 
So it really, the self-care piece for me was tricky because I am not a manicure, pedicure, spa, massage type person. I thought that's what self-care was. I thought self-care needed to spend a lot of money and it was like time by myself. And for me, that didn't work. And it was almost too hard to like fit in the day. Like I remember I tried to get a massage and it was like, I was stressed because I was running late to get there. I had to pay the babysitter. And then by the time I got out of the massage, it was right back into the frying pan, right? I was like, well, that didn't work. So self-care for me boils down to these small steps every day, right? So I try to do something five minutes. So my whole self-care routine is 15 minutes total. Nice. Where I do five minutes on my mind, five minutes on my body, five minutes on my soul. And I decide what those are. So for me, like my mind, I do a gratitude practice or I do some affirmations or mirror work, or I read a, you know, a book that just helps me stay in that right frame of mind. Right. And it's amazing. You can, you can like dictate into your phone for five minutes while you're sitting in the traffic, like things you're grateful for. And it totally shifts. I mean, there's so much science behind gratitude, right? It shifts your, your whole neurobiology. The body could be things like taking a walk. I'm going to exercise. I'm going to stretch. I'm going to lay on the floor, whatever it is, but something that like, I think about my actual physicality, lots of breath work, lots of like, for me, my world is about slowing down because I run fast. Right. (laughs) And then the soul component is, you know, what fills me up? Is it art? Is it dancing? Is it laughter? Is it like something that just feels good for the sake of feeling good? Maybe it's baking, but that just fills my cup. And within those, you know, baking takes longer, but five minutes. Cause I, when I started to put bigger chunks of time, all of a sudden it became like the thing that I had to like schedule and do, and I wasn't getting done. Right. And then I felt bad at the end of the night. Cause I was like, Oh, once again, I didn't do it. So I figured that five minutes, three times a day, I try not to double up. Like I don't count yoga as both body and soul. I try to like one thing at a time, one thing at a time. But for me, that has had tremendous, like consistent impact on how I feel every day and how I feel, how I'm able to show up for myself, which feels like self-care, right? How I show up to my family, which feels like self-care. And if I'm able to work on my mindset, find the things I'm grateful for, do my affirmations, right? All of those mean that when I show up with my children, I can like recognize behavior as communication rather than they're just being mean or nasty or disrespectful, right? I'm now in a place where I can say, hey baby, what's like, what's going on? Instead of, I told you, you know, whatever the like moment is. And then I do, I, I, I read a lot. The awareness component, I think is always ongoing. I think you're always working on yourself, different moments of awareness at different points of time. Uh, I try to set aside time to talk with my kids every day to make sure I'm with them. And I had a moment with my son where we had some rules in the house and my daughter, but mostly my son around video game playing. Right. And it was starting to cause some points of tension. And finally I was like, okay, talk to me. Like, what's going on, buddy? Like, help me understand. Cause I did not grow up in the world of video games. I am not a gamer and all, and like that helps with the awareness. Right. But I had to be in a space to say, this no longer feels good. 
so what's going on? And I need to go get some more information rather than it doesn't feel good. So I'm going to double down on the like, don't test my boundary piece, right? It was like, this doesn't feel good. Let's explore here and come up with a new plan together. Oh my goodness. I love that. (laughs) And I need to like piggyback off how you did, you know, your habits for like five minutes. I need to do that because I feel every time I'm at work, I'm like, okay, I need to get this, this, this done so I can feel good. So I can go to bed and wake up happy and I still don't get it done. So I am going to implement just taking five minutes out of my day for my mind, my body, and my soul. Thank you so much for that, by the way. So what is one big piece of advice you want to leave with the audience? My biggest like heartfelt piece of advice is to just to A, to trust yourself and that like everything's going to be okay, right? To just allow, like truly believe that and that you will continue to make the right decisions, best decisions, course corrections, whatever it is for yourself, for your children, if you just sort of trust and and believe that everything's going to be okay, because it's being guided from a place of love and self rather than shoulds and pressure. Oh my goodness. That is amazing. Yes, that is so true because as moms, we have to, we always think, oh, well, we need to do this, this, and this, and this has to be this way. No, it's okay to let go and just be you, take care Mm -hmm. of your children the way you want. And sometimes if you have to stay off of social media for a Uh, while to actually ground yourself and know what is most important to you, then do it. But yeah, so that is so amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. So where can everyone find you? Um, Well, you can find me on Facebook. So I'm at group and page there. Everything is drama free ADHD. So my email, my website, my social media, you can find me all over at drama free ADHD. Nice.com is the website. Yeah. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. I will put all that in the show notes. And so you guys can reach out to her, connect with her, learn more about her. She is such a beautiful soul. You guys, she's amazing. And Mary for your listeners. Yes. Just so they know, um, I, I'm happy to do any sort of free initial um, like breakthrough session or consultation just to talk. So sign up on my calendar. It's of no cost, just so that you can start this process. We'll talk through awareness and vision and empowerment and what's coming up for you and see if we can get you some immediate breakthrough right away. Thank Jump you on my calendar. for sharing that as well. I will most definitely put her calendar link in there as well. So you guys can book a call with her. Tara, I want to thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. So much value today. And everyone, I will talk to you guys on the next episode. Okay, this episode was so amazing. Wouldn't you agree? Want to hear more episodes like this? All you have to do is subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform so you would never miss out on a guest episode just like this one. If you found value or inspiration today, don't forget to leave a rating on iTunes and or feedback in the comment section. Looking forward to talking to you soon, beauty.